God is a God. He don't never change. God is a God, and He always will be God. I'm telling you, God is a God. He don't never change. God is a God, and He always will be God. He gave the sun to shine by day, the moon to rule the night. He gave me love and calmed my fears and drove away my fright. He fixed my feet for running and set my heart aflame. He sealed my hopes in the Holy Lamb and gave me my good name. God is a God. He don't never change. God is a God, and He always will be God. Oh, glory, hallelujah, and glory to His name. He came and touched my heart one day, and I'll never same and that's cause God is a God he don't never change God is a God and he always 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 will be God. He always will be God. Thank you, Frederick. It's always a blessing, I'm telling you. I don't think I'd attempt anything a cappella. It's rare that I'd even do it with instruments. <laughs> the 11th chapter of John gives us the fifth I am statement. For those of you that are just visiting with us for the first time, I'm doing a series on the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ. This is the fifth. The first was... Jesus said, I am the only bread of life. Then Jesus said, I am the only light of the world. Then Jesus said, 
I am the door or the gate. By me, if any man shall enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out. Then he said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They hear my voice. Now here in the 11th chapter, Jesus makes this radical statement, as all of them are, referring to him as the Messiah, the only begotten Son of God. For in verse 25 and 26 of chapter 11, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Then he asked Martha, do you believe this? Well, there was a crisis of faith that Jesus was having to deal with. It's kind of interesting when you look at the 11th chapter of John, Jesus is there with his disciples. Uh, most theologians believe he was in a region called Beth Arbora, and in that region it was some 20 miles away from Bethany. Bethany was two miles outside of Jerusalem. And so as he's talking to the disciples, the Bible says there was a messenger who came to Jesus and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. It's Lazarus, his friend, Mary and Martha's brother. We know all about them. Well, as he tells him he's sick, obviously Lazarus dies on the same day that the messenger comes to ask Jesus to come quickly. So Jesus waits and sends the messenger back the next day. It's about a day's journey back to Bethany, and then he waits two more days. By the time he gets back to Bethany, it's been four days. Lazarus has been dead for four days and has been in the tomb for that long. Now, in this crisis of faith, the disciples were questioning, why did Jesus linger anyway? They were kind of concerned. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And he said to the disciples, let us go back to Judea. Now the disciples are thinking, now wait a minute. That's where they tried to stone you the last time we were there. And besides... If he is only sick, maybe you can just heal him from here. You've done it with the centurion and so forth. We've seen you do that. Well, you can do that. Well, they said, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up, which was an Old Testament expression for dying. He wasn't really asleep. And then, of course, Thomas who is inimitable in his character and is having this, this, this crisis of faith, is saying to Jesus, well, if he's only asleep, he's getting better. Why do we want to go there? And then Jesus said, no, I'm not that he's asleep. He's dead. He died. Then Thomas is thinking, well, if he's dead, why do we want to go to his funeral? Because they're going to try to stone you again. And then Jesus said, no, we must go. Why? Lazarus is, your, is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And then Thomas made that statement. You, you really wonder about his uh, discouragement. He said, 
let us also go that we may die with him. We're going to die with him. He's going to die. We're going to Judea. They're going to stone him. They're going to kill him. We'll just go with him and die. That's what we'll do. We'll talk about Thomas later on. Uh, in fact, next week. So we're going to learn more about that. But then Jesus goes finally four days later after the word came to him. Jesus goes to Bethany. But he doesn't enter into the village. He stays on the outskirts. Word gets to Martha that Jesus has arrived. So she goes out to meet him. And so at her home, there are all these Jewish women that are mourning with Mary and Martha and they're crying out aloud and they're trying to commiserate with her. And and you know funeral scenes. We've seen so many of them around here. But in those days, it was where they would stay in these homes and, and literally stay as long as they possibly could wailing and crying and commiserating and doing whatever they could do. So Martha meets him at the edge of the village. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, I don't know about you, but a lot of us have had that crisis of faith where we keep saying, Lord, if you had just Given the word, none of this would have happened. If you had just intervened at this particular point, that particular person would not have contracted that disease or or died. Or I wouldn't have had this business failure. I wouldn't have had this uh, relationship fall through. Whatever the case might be, we've all had that crisis of faith. Lord, if you had just been here. Now, the word to you and me is God's not here for our comfort. He's here to strengthen us in our faith. Oh, Lord, if you'd just been here. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And she gives the Old Testament response. I know he will rise at the resurrection at the last day. No, Jesus said. I'm not talking about the last day. I'm talking about now. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the, the Christ, the Son of the living God. He who has come into the world. Now, interestingly enough, verse 28, she said to him, she went back and told her sister, but she called her aside. She pulled her aside in private. Why? Because she knew that Jesus was a hot button in that region. Bethany, only two miles away from Jerusalem, there had already been uh, the word put out. If you know his whereabouts, if you know where he is, you must bring it back to the Sanhedrin. You must tell us Pharisees, the leaders of the church. We are the ones that need to know because we're after him. You know, big wanted poster. They might as well have had... a. Uh, his picture on a poster posted somewhere. She said, so she told Mary, took her aside, the teacher is here and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and ran to see Jesus. Well, all the women that were, that were mourning with her thought that she was going to the tomb. So they immediately got up and followed Mary out to the uh, edge of the village and to their surprise, there was Jesus. Well, as Jesus talks to Mary, Mary has that same word. We see Mary three times in the Scripture. 
Only once do we see her saying anything, and this is it. She says, comes to him, and she said, Well, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You can imagine her and Martha repeating this for the last four days together. If Jesus had only been here, he wouldn't have died. If Jesus had, only been, if Jesus had just been Jesus, we wouldn't be sitting here in this predicament. We say that among our family members and friends. Oh. So, Jesus says, Where have you laid him? Come and see, my Lord. They replied, and Jesus wept. Well, some of the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There's always going to be boo birds in every crowd. Those negative naysayers. Those whose not really comforting words, but rather conflicting words of discouragement rather than encouragement. There's always going to be those. These, this word belief in some form or fashion is mentioned eight times in this 11th chapter. So the disciples had wondered why Jesus would let his friend get sick if he really loved him. Thomas was willing to go with Jesus and die with him. You see the setup here? Now, they knew that Jesus had brought people back to life already, but maybe they had only been dead an hour or two or several hours. But four days and in a tomb, and Jesus says to them, for your sake I'm glad I was not there, that you may believe we're going to go to him. And he told Martha, do you believe your brother will rise again? And then he reminded her in verse 40, did I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Wow. So as we come to this realization, we come to realize that death is the last enemy, the last tool, the last weapon that Satan has for mankind. But Jesus says, not so fast. I've overcome death. I am. I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, but I am the resurrection and the life. You will live even though you die. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. All right. Jesus wept. There's an interesting word about the weeping. This Greek word for weeping here is not wailing like the women were doing with Mary and Martha. It's not that loud. It's this inner uh, kind of a subtle thing where he's weeping to himself. It's not an outward crying or anything of this nature. And this word is only found here in the New Testament. So Jesus is weeping within himself. And it's just kind of one of those. So I want to I give it to you today. Five reasons why Jesus was weeping. Okay? First of all, it was a personal loss. Don't ever think that because you weep over the, the loss of a loved one you, that you're being anything less than a true believer. Because a loss is a loss. A, a relationship that is lost is, is devastating to all of us. And so Jesus lost a dear friend. You saw how much he loved him. The one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. They knew how close he was to not only Lazarus, but to his sisters as well. And so there was that genuine grief with Jesus. But secondly, I believe that Jesus saw his own death and the grief that it would bring to his friends and disciples. In verse 11 through 13, when he was talking to them, he said, 
Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, of his own death as well. And his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So when he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. You need to understand that in the hands of God, in my hands, Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection and the life. You will rise again. Thirdly, I think that he grieved because he had to bring Lazarus back from heaven. I want you to think about that. You see chapter 12 opening up and Lazarus is reclining at dinner with all the people and you can imagine what Lazarus' stories were. Here's a man that has been wrapped in grave clothes, been declared dead for four days in a tomb. King James Version, Martha didn't want him to roll the stone away because she said, it, he stinketh. Don't you love that expression? He stinketh. He's been there four days. His body has deteriorated. Lord, you don't want to see that. That's not pretty. But Jesus had to take Lazarus back from heaven. This week I got a call from, from somebody in another state asking to go see a relative who was in hospice. And she said she's a, a little bit afraid. She knows Jesus, but she's a little bit afraid. She's declining rapidly. Would you mind going to see her? So I went to see her. And I want to tell you that as I'm sitting down, my first question to her, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes, I do, she said immediately. There's no question in your mind that you have put your faith and trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. None whatsoever, she said. Well, let me tell you what heaven's all about. And I began to explain to her what heaven, when, when Jesus said, do not be afraid. I go to prepare a place for you. What's there to fear about if Jesus is already preparing the perfect place? If Jesus prepares it, it's going to be perfect. The colors are going to be more vibrant than you've ever seen. John, in, his, in the revelation of Jesus through John, was trying to describe heaven by using earthly terms, and it just didn't work. He was using all the wonderful gems and, and beryl and onyx and all the pearls and gold and all of these things, but the colors were just so vibrant and so beautiful that it's beyond human understanding. If Jesus has given us life abundant and eternal, then I'll guarantee you that eternal life with Him is going to be far greater than anything you and I can comprehend. So I think one of the reasons why Jesus wept is because He had to bring Lazarus back from heaven. The Bible tells us in the 12th chapter of, of John, the next chapter over, that the Pharisees began to determine how they were going to kill not only Jesus, but Lazarus as well. Can't have Lazarus there. His testimony is too strong. I mean, how many people have been raised from the grave after four days? Wow. You know the interesting thing when you go through the scriptures in John? Palm Sunday. People were there who had believed because of Lazarus. They were there at the tomb. They heard him. And the Bible says many of the Jews turned to him and walked with him from that day forward. And then on Palm Sunday, they were still experiencing that situation. They didn't fully understand at all how it related to Jesus Christ. But they were there. Well, look at number four. 
I think Jesus wept because of the unbelief of his followers. He had that with, with Thomas and the other disciples. They didn't get it. They didn't know that Jesus was voluntarily giving up his life, though he, was, he had tried to warn them to that extent. His disciples, verses 14 and 15, they said, when he told them plainly, Jesus is dead, and for your sake I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas said, let us also go that we may die with you. Martha, do you believe this, he asked her. And then again, he asked Martha down in verse 40, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Wow. And then, of course, the followers. Verse 40 says to us, he says that you would see the, the, the glory of God. The Bible tells us that many of them still didn't comprehend what he was trying to tell them. The greatest miracle of all. Well, I mean, you've got blind men being healed, lame men walking, the deaf speaking. You've got those that can't use their arms anymore are using their arms. Those that had died were being raised to life. And all of these miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children, the 4,000 plus women and children, and so on and so forth. But boy, this took the cake. Because in Jewish mentality, they believed in the resurrection, but only at the end of times. Wow. Well, I can I gotta give them a little slack here. I'm not sure I would have believed that after Lazarus either. I mean, I would have a hard time, and Jesus may have been been fearful of my unbelief at that point, because I didn't have the benefit of the New Testament. I just simply had what I had been raised to believe. Well, fifthly, I want you to see this as well. The unbelief, I believe, Jesus wept because of the unbelief of those who would not trust in Him as Lord and Savior. Verse 41 and 42. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus said, Father, I thank You that You have heard me. I knew that You always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. Four days, Lord, this is going to be great. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Why did he have to call Lazarus? Because had he not mentioned him by name, the others would have come out of the tomb. Yeah. The dead man came out his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes, let him go, set him free. I love it. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. The chief priests, the Pharisees, called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What's going on around here, they said. What are we accomplishing? Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. They've seen and heard these miracles as well. What's the problem? He's eroding their power base. That's exactly what's going on here. What does he say? If everyone believes in Him, then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. We won't be exalted. 
Whoa. Then one of them, Caiaphas, who just uh, for your information was a Sadducee, was, well, who was the high priest that year, spoke up, you know nothing at all. You do not realize it's better for you that one man die for the people prophetically than the whole nation perish. And so from that day on, they said in verse 53, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert to a village called Ephraim where he stayed with his disciples. And of course, that's where that ministry to the Gentiles that Jesus really began emphasizing. Wow. I do believe that Jesus prayed because of the unbelief of those who would not believe, even after Lazarus. Well, John 12, 37 says, even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in Him. Now, I... I just find that incredible. If you've seen all of this going on, it's that parable of the sowers. Evidently, you're just completely closed off to the truth. After all the signs and wonders that were performed in front of them, they still would not believe. They still would not believe. Well, there's a parable that Jesus gave back in the 16th chapter of Luke. And this parable is between the rich man and Lazarus, different Lazarus, just a name, in this parable. And yet, the Bible says Lazarus was a poor man. He used to eat crumbs from the table of the wealthy man, and, but he was a godly man. So that when the poor man, Lazarus, died, he went straight to heaven, ushered on one side by an angel and on the other side by an angel. So two angels ushered him into the presence of Abraham, into heaven, which is the Old Testament concept of heaven, being in the presence of Abraham. And so, so we see where the rich man died and goes to hell. Now, those of you that have gotten so sophisticated, you don't believe in hell anymore. Let me give you a warning. Hell exists. It's separation from God for all eternity. For all eternity. And those that have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior have doomed themselves. It's not that God sends us there. We send ourselves there like these Pharisees, like these Jews, like those who had witnessed so many parables. Listen to what he says. This man, this rich man who is in torment in hell, asked ask Abraham to send Lazarus down. Let him, let him quench the fire from my tongue. Still wanting to be served. And then all of a sudden he says, well, if that doesn't work, he said, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Now these are Jesus Christ's words, not mine. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. What did Abraham say to him? If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And today we have that same thing. You have Lazarus. You have Jesus who has risen from the dead, presented himself alive after 
many infallible proofs for a period of 40 days appeared to so many people, to, to 500 and so a lot of others over that period of time. They knew that Jesus had been resurrected. And yet to this day, people still refuse to place their trust in Jesus Christ. It is a crisis of faith. It is a crisis of unbelief. Why don't they? Well, the question I'm going to ask you that was raised to Martha was, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. And then the question of the ages. Do you believe this? Now, you will have made that decision before you leave this building. You will have in your heart said, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come, who has come into this world. Or you will say, just another fairy tale. Just another story. No, I don't believe. The decision is yours. The destination is your decision as well for all eternity. But to those of us that trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when this body ceases functioning, that soul, which is who we are, rises out of that body and we're met with Jesus and we have that heavenly body that's being given to us. Whoa. And we are in a place that Jesus has prepared for those of us that love Him. And we are, are in a situation and an eternity where, where God is the light and there is no darkness and we have no need of anything. There's, none of, there's no canes or crutches. There's no walkers or wheelchairs. There's no illness, sickness, disease. The lion lays down with the lamb. There's no threat of any harm whatsoever. The scripture says it this way. Who then would escape so great a salvation? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Thomas finally got it after the resurrection. But it took him, after being gone for a week, to physically look in the nail prints of the hands of Jesus and see the scar in the side where they had thrust the spear. And then he fell down at his feet. My Lord and my God. Jesus says, you believe because you have seen. But greater are those, more blessed are those, who having not yet seen, hath believed. Wow. It makes sense. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's the question. If you were to die today, why would Jesus allow you to come into His heaven? If Jesus asked you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Well, I've been a good person. Eh. I've done better. No. I mean, I'm a lot better than somebody down the street. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, I've been good to my spouse. I've been a pretty good parent. And and, and I, no. The best we do is not good enough to know, to enter into heaven. Grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not of your works. It is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. It is important that you understand. There's nothing you can do in this life that merits or earns salvation or heaven. Nothing. 
our best we can do, the greatest we can accomplish, falls short of the glory of God. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. All we like sheep have, have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Wow. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you followed him in baptism by immersion? Have you looked for a church family in which to invest your lives? These are questions today. And for all of us, he looks at us and just asks that question. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Because if you don't, you can't have it. It's that simple. Let's pray. Our most gracious Father, we just praise you for who you are. and We thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Lord God, there are decisions being made even now. So Lord, be with us that these decisions would honor you above all things. Father, we can't wait. You haven't guaranteed us another day. So allow these decisions to be yours. Decisions that would bring you honor and glory. Decisions that would bring you the joy that you so richly desire. Thank you, Father, for bringing them to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to stand here in the front and pray with you about whatever decision the Lord leads, lays on your heart. Let's stand and sing the hymn of invitation. Won't you come as God so directs?